talking Titan. Titans. Titans. <laughs> we'll get it someday. Welcome to Ion Horrors Talking Titans, the podcast where we talk about the Boulet Brothers Dragula Titans. Ion Horror, of course, is the official podcast of iHorror.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Korea. And with me, as usual, with this, we're not every other week. We're not every week where we're, we can get to watching the episodes. But with me, as every time we do record, is Lindsay Gant. Lindsay, how are you today? <laughs> smooth, John. That's very <laughs> smooth opening so smooth. you have here. <laughs> you are a podcast professional. <laughs> you know, I've been doing this for like five years or so now. So <laughs> doing great so far. Well, I am doing great and I am happy to be here. And also with us is author, writer, and fellow podcaster, because he just started his new podcast, Gunkle Wayland's Place, Wayland Jordan. Wayland, how are you this evening? I'm hanging in there. This is I, I'm really looking forward to tonight because we are off to a banger of a start. So I'm ready to see what happens. I've already called Jonathan Daddy and he didn't take it well. So we'll just see what happens next. <laughs> what do you mean didn't take it well? I giggled. There was a full face flush there. Yes, yes. He basically whited out his video. He turned so bright. (laughs) In my defense, Lindsay and I's old roommate ruined the term daddy. (laughs) He really did. We do have a lot to get to tonight. We have three whole episodes we're talking about. Yes. Episode five, six, and seven. So there's so much drama to get to. It's wild. The things God, that this happened. whole last three episodes was nothing but drama until it all just blew up in just everyone's blew face. Up. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about with Titans being drama. Like, I don't see it's it. very chill. Nothing going on. It's purely about the art and no one is dramatic about anything ever. Well, anyways, episode five, we had our basic bitch and zombie prom combo episode where the where they had to create a basic bitch look and then show what that basic bitch would look like when they were turned into a zombie at the prom. I honestly really like this. Like, I think it was a really interesting creative challenge, like going into like because that, that's what they were saying was that a lot of these, lot of these people on Dragula may not necessarily do the beauty in a lot of their looks. And so having them go to classic drag performance very beautiful very queen like and then going full dragula just completely destroying and tearing apart their looks and just yeah i thought it was very interesting and very cool the way they went about it and they always do something cool with the basic bitch challenge because uh i believe it was season two it was a lot was one of the last times they did the basic bitch challenge and that was the one where it was the slasher video so it would always they all had to orchestrate their own deaths and that's where we got oh, the iconic yeah. disasterinas yeah. line i the coke give me a per, uh, give me slim and the alcoholic give me a personality you know <laughs> uh, which is amazing and with this one with the zombie looks we got some really fierce zombies but before any of that could happen i think this was this the episode where coco started claiming that pe- someone was sabotaging her yes in both episodes, both five and six. Yeah, yeah. She dropped a couple of hints before, I think. But yeah, she's really trying to play up that someone's trying to sabotage her. I just don't know how we haven't, like, like somebody on production hasn't seen it happen. Like, you would think that that would be something that they would intercut and edit with. Kind of like when, when they did the whole voting thing and then later on they did like, oh, remember when Astrid voted for Coco? Or remember when so-and-so did... You know, that seems like something that they would do at some point. Like, they would be like, oh, look at so-and-so we, that we caught on a GoPro 
sabotaging but also like when do these people have the time i liked astrid's response of just saying like hey i'm a messy bitch and i lose things all the time she's a messy bitch too so she's probably just losing stuff (laughs) well john as somebody who works on reality tv production like do you could you imagine that it'd be possible to go and sabotage somebody else's stuff or is it kind of under lock and key when that's like a matter of competition? So I know that they're putting together all their outfits from scratch. I don't know how much of that is done at home. I don't know how much of that is kept on stage. Like, do you think that that would be something that's, that's possible to do on set? Um, I mean, it, it it depends, you know, I've worked on a few of these uh, competition shows. I've actually worked on a uh, competition show that's very similar to Dragula that will not be named that involves a lot of costume changes. John uh, is giving us very dramatic looks for those who cannot see yeah, because you can't this see. is an audio format. Cause, cause, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't really say what I worked on, but I worked on something with, with a bunch of drag queens uh, that's known. Um, and with that, you know, they bring all their costumes, they bring all their stuff, you know, they have ideas of like what's going to be coming. I'm, I'm assuming because those bitches brought like, 15 20 trunks of clothes with them um but with that show they're very secretive they're very everything's compartmentalized i was working with cast and even i didn't know most of the people's names because they were immediately given a color and and go by the room thing so like if you tried to quiz me on who was in that season i have no idea i hope no one's sabotaging that would be terrible that would be horrible that would totally suck and everyone's already being shady and two-faced this season anyway, so we don't need that element. So let's talk about those basic bitch looks. Yes. Because <laughs> I was loving some of the stuff. Um, you know, Abora, once again, did not... Understand the assignment. Did not pay attention to the assignment. I mean, come on, this is high school prom. She, it's like she stopped listening at high school because she shows up in a cheerleader uniform. And who yeah. wears a cheerleading uniform to the prom? No one. I, I never went, so I don't know. I don't have any examples, but I would assume that's a faux pas or that you would go for something else, I'm assuming. I think the Boulets were saying like their interpretation of it was the cheerleader who either got kicked out and couldn't go to prom or they had to do a cheerleading competition instead of prom. But that was them trying to widely grasp at it to figure out how to fit it in. Yes, I think they gave her more credit yeah, than than was due on that. I think it was just, again, Abora wanting to do her own thing. She seems to think that, you know, if she does her own thing, it makes her stand out rather than, you know, pissing people off because she's not doing what she's supposed to be doing. I mean, outside of it being a prom challenge, I didn't hate her look. I thought it was pretty solid, especially your zombie. You know, she had a lot of fun with the fake titties flopping around all everywhere. You know, she really went for the camp. So it's it's not that it was a bad look. It was, again, you just didn't get the assignment, which is kind of her MO at this point. That being said, I, I think uh, uh, Bora, I know we, we, we have definitely ragged on her quite a bit on this show. I think she kind of redeemed herself this week. You know, everyone kind of gave her the sit down and was like, all right, motherfucker, you need to get your shit together. You're pissing us all off. And I think she kind of really like took that to heart. But yeah, Hoso wouldn't let that go. Uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> what about Melissa? Because Melissa had the best prom look, but her zombie look was very... It's a bit rough. You know, my thing with Melissa is, you know, we had talked about before, you know, that Abora goes off and does her own thing, and Melissa almost played it 
too safe again like she didn't fully give herself over to it and she kept trying and and you know bravo for her trying the prosthetics and things like that but again it's not something that she's really good at that she's really mastered and i don't know why she kept trying to force that when it kept falling apart on her um i mean i loved the prom look but once she went zombie it was just kind of like meh I mean, it, the pieces were falling, weren't, well, they weren't necessarily falling off, but they weren't great. And I'm just not sure what she was trying to prove at that point. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what I like about Melissa is, um, to me, it feels like she's, every single time, she's trying extremely hard to go out of her box. Like, you know, being the glamour person, every time she does such a dramatic horror or filth look, I think it's, I think it's, I'm excited to see it and excited to see what she does. This one didn't hit as much for me, but I mean, I think it was still a cool look. And I think that it was a really good um, degradation of the beautiful prom queen look that she had. It really just completely fell apart. Even when she was just standing there talking uh, uh, when they were um, doing their critiques, her face, of course, was like kind of peeling off because of the prosthetics. But she just looked really gory and just really kind of just disheveled in a way that I don't ever see of Melissa. So you know, it may not have been done as well as other people could do, but um, the thought is there. And I really appreciate her uh, really going for it with her looks. Yeah. Now, of course, the two best looks were our girl Coco Kane and Victoria Black, which we have to admit, I think this challenge was made for Victoria Black. She is known for giving some of the most fierce and beautiful looks while also absolutely killing it with prosthetics and whatnot. So a challenge that combines the two, but still has them be a separate thing. It seemed almost like there was no way to compete, right? But Coco came real close. I thought her look was phenomenal. Yeah, Coco really was. And I wonder, like, I know it's it's not supposed to be or whatever, but the last couple of episodes just watching, do you feel like things have been kind of weighted toward Victoria in some kind of way because it seems like the woman works. I mean, that queen works her ass off. But, like, it seems not only that the challenges are right up her alley, but at the same time, like, she's still in this competition and 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 deservedly so, but she's had some rough weeks and still kind of gotten... Got the by. safety call on everything and may it doesn't feel like they're quite as hard and i love me some victoria y'all know how i feel about victoria i just want victoria to come hang out with me and maybe we go to dinner or something you know i mean that's just me but like we know you forgive her seems- for the mullet we, oh, I know. do. I do. But it just seems like things kind of skew towards her a little bit the last couple of episodes. Waylon, are you claiming sabotage from the producers of the Boulet brothers? Absolutely pushing not. Pushing her through? Never. Oh my god. Never. I mean, Never. I don't, sabotage. I, I don't know if there's favoritism. Um, you know, uh, I think that they're a little lenient, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that comes up most in the in episode seven with her fish look, because like, and it's one of those things, I, I think one of the problems is that her technique and what she does is so it's like she does it on such a professional level. They even said it in episode seven. It's hard to knock it down because it's done so well, but it's not quite what is needed. And so right. this thing that is extreme professionalism, extreme effort is not it, it's amazing, but it's not exactly what's 
being asked. And I think that's what a lot of the problem comes down to is what, and what happens with Victoria is like, she does such a great job, but it's just, eh, it, it's hard. It's like, it's hard to explain it, but it's like, you, you didn't fuck up, but you didn't do it right. Right. I mean, and she has avoided so much of the drama this, this season. I mean, you know, until the end of this episode and then things kind of careened, but you know, I mean, it's like, she has really tried to just like keep her head down and just try to do what she's supposed to be doing. So I don't know. I don't know. It just felt a little, it did feel a little skewed to me. I don't know. I'm not saying that anybody's trying to play anything. I'm just saying maybe the way that they're editing it possibly. Well, what we do know is that she ultimately did win the competition and was given the opportunity to pick the bottom two looks and quiet Victoria who keeps her head down said that she was going to judge by, you know, take everything in consideration, but also leaned a little bit into the drama and picked two out of the three people caught in that love triangle. Mm-hmm. Which can we take a moment and talk about the drama here with this love triangle? Because this was the episode things really exponentially just like yeah. blew up in the boudoir. Like, okay. So we have a Bora, Astrid and Hoso and at the beginning of this episode, we have a moment in which they all start pairing off and like, oh, do you want to go to prom with me? Like doing a cute little thing that you would do when you have a prom episode. Initiated suddenly, by Hoso. Want that Initiated by record. Hoso, to be clear. <laughs> and then suddenly they don't have an even number of people. So someone's going to be left out. That's just how math works. And so that happens to be Abora in this instance. And Abora takes it in stride. She goes and asks a mannequin out to prom. And it was a very cute, fun moment that I think that Abora had. And everyone's laughing, having fun with it. And suddenly Hoso was, oh my God, this not is cool, reality. Guys. This is not cool. Not cool, this guys. Cool. We can't treat Abora like this anymore. And she was like having a full-blown meltdown in the boudoir because suddenly nobody wanted to pair up with Abora. Like, I don't understand what happened here. And it just completely blew up and derailed the entire episode in terms of yeah. the relationships between folks and and the just general drama of this episode. To the point where it carried into the next day when they were getting ready and like the three of them were like very silent, very quiet. And then Coco went off on them and they're like, I'm sorry, what the fuck is this all about? And they're like, well, you know, yesterday with the thing, she's like, that's what it is. Wow. And like we got full blown Coco just throwing shade, calling them. uh, (laughs) What was it? Titty baby. fucking baby. Boo the fuck who? <laughs> you know, a titty fucking baby is someone who still claps onto their mother's nipple. <laughs> it's, that was one of the greatest cutaways ever when it's just like, titty fucking baby, boo the fuck who? A titty fucking baby is. We need to have a little definition in here just to be clear about what I'm saying by titty fucking baby. So you will know. Whoever's editing knows how to intercut a Coco Kane moment perfectly. No, the editors love Coco. It's amazing what they do here. Yeah, because they did it in uh, episode seven too when Saint gave uh, a, he was given critiques and then Saint says something and it just goes not Saint telling me I'm going too slow. Yeah. <laughs> the, the perfect little cutaways. <laughs> Which is great because I fucking love Saint, but Saint does tend to not bring a lot of energy. Um <laughs> I want a whole just streak reality show with just Coco doing some doing Coco stuff. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's her Instagram right now, though. She's just constantly on live, like doing her makeup, talking about ghost stories from her childhood. It's just amazing. 
just taking huge <laughs> highly <bong> recommend <laughs> yes just wake and baking in the morning doing makeup <laughs> <laughs> that's so good but yeah that that love triangle did very much so get very weary very much well, so it's been getting to. old since the first episode but yeah it felt like the, the the fuse was lit yeah finally in this episode and you know i mean i really hoped that when victoria made her decisions that it might put an end to some of all of that but all it did was just the i mean they they still just act like that toward one another i don't think anybody's happy <laughs> no well and that was the thing too is that like a lot of it you know was a lot of people projecting onto abora like especially in seeing how she was acting in the last couple episodes and her exit and everything so much of the drama from the uh from the triangle came from other people going abora don't you feel like shit don't you feel like shit with them doing this? She's like, no, I'm fine. No, you must feel like shit. You must really feel like shit. Well, yeah, I don't feel great about it. Yeah, you feel like shit, don't you? And it just, which I is not fair to her. Like, I, it made me feel like a dick for think for being so annoyed by her earlier in the season because it was just like, yeah, no, the people have been just like projecting all of this onto her and projecting these insecurities and everything. And like the pinnacle of that is Hosa with the, oh, not cool guys. It's like, dude, you started it. You started this whole, oh, let's go to prom together thing. And then you were laughing with it, but the mannequins for like five or 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden just went, oh, wait, guys. And then she even admitted, she's like, maybe I just kind of made things worse with this whole thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, kind of fucking did. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true, John. Like, I think Abora like has really been taking the brunt of all of this stuff, and some of them have been calling out Hoso, but not nearly as much. And I don't understand why Hoso can just like glide through without taking any repercussions for the drama she's instilling. Yeah, yeah Abora really did take the brunt of that when she was just trying to make the best of the situation. It made me sad that she was the one who had to leave because of this, because Abora was the one yeah. who got kicked out of episode five. And I, I I did not like any of her outfits this episode. And so I, I, you know, that's fine. But I think it really was relating to the drama and Victoria deciding that she would be the one to who who leaving would cause the end of the rift. There was a lot where it made sense that this was Bora's time to go. Looking back, I am kind of glad that she got to spend more time in there. You know, got to see her grow, got to see her art, more of her art. I do really wish, though, that love triangle drama that everyone was creating was not a part of the factor of her leaving. Talk about character development. I was a bit sad to see her go, you know? Yeah, same here. But hey, someone has to go home at the end of the night, every night, or so we thought. Except. (laughs) And that leads us to- Leading to the next episode. (laughs) Episode six, The Ugly Ladies of Wrestling, where each person had to create an ugly lady of wrestling inspired by the women's wrestlers of the 80s featured in the gorgeous ladies of wrestling of course this was an interesting one because the last time they did a fighting episode was the mud pit fights in season one where they just went fucking ham on each other especially <laughs> melissa b fierce who like just was wailing on her opponent so everyone kind of went into it thinking like oh yeah we're gonna be like beating the shit out of each other but it was wrestling which is which is a dance choreographed. It's, it's, it's choreographed. Yeah. It's all fake. Well, I mean, not all entirely fake, but like you're not actually hitting people. Like you're doing stunt work and whatnot. And so it was very interesting to see people how they paired up and how they paired off. And then all of a sudden they realize like, oh wait, shit, we're not facing each other. We're working with each other, which led to some interesting stuff like Astrid and Melissa pairing up because for suddenly they were against each other. But like that energy worked really well in their performance. You know. 
and this was the episode where I thought Melissa felt it, it, she was just really in her element. Like she totally ate that shit up. Her look was fantastic for, for this. That China inspired look. Oh yeah. oh yeah. I mean, she was she was phenomenal. Her look was fantastic. Her performance was amazing. I don't know. I I was really knocked out by Melissa in this yeah. one. Everything about it was great. I I tend to be a little biased because it is Coco, but Coco stole the show with her performance be- with her giant fucking giant <laughs> big bodacious queen. She said they were like double Z's or something like. <laughs> but outside of the like you know very large butt and boobs, um, there wasn't a whole lot to her look except for like the hair. The hair was phenomenal though, especially with the wig reveal. Oh yeah. That snatched wig with another wig under it was fantastic. It's it was beautiful so perfection. Good. But John, <laughs> her look was incomplete because of sabotage. Maybe, I don't know. But the either way, she still took what she had and she sold it. You know, it's one of those and they bring it up in, in a few episodes, especially episode seven, but there's times where like props or a dress or piece, you either wear it or it wears you. And Coco knows how to work very large titties, of course, and she did. And when her and Victoria start fucking in the back, that was one of the funniest things. That was so camp. Highlight of television for this year. Yeah. <laughs> it was just fantastic. I mean, yeah. But that was one of those cases where like a performance can save a look that was a bit lacking because outside of the titties, there wasn't too much to it. Well, you know, and as soon as I saw Victoria out there rubbing on that foul thing out in front of her i was like oh this is gonna be something (laughs) oh Oh, the cod piece (laughs) yes yes the cod piece the cock piece i i'm sorry that was like a whole cockpit but yeah like i was like (laughs) i was like wow okay well somebody didn't come to wrestle (laughs) i definitely love seeing that side of victoria too i feel like that's a side i haven't seen of her before Oh, yeah, she really kind of cut loose and and really kind of like, I don't know, there was this this quality about her energy that we, yeah, we never see that from her. And even just like the look, like she doesn't necessarily, she doesn't have to go beautiful in a lot of things, but I feel like it's a lot of aesthetically pleasing type stuff. And like this character was just kind of really the epitome of just going outside of her comfort zone. Now, the two bottom looks were also two that were paired together, which was Hoso and Eva. Another demonstration of the theater kid given an opportunity to do a performance and not nailing it. I mean, Eva's look was okay. Like, it was fine. But, like, when she was talking about, like, really bringing out her legs, she didn't go as hard with it as I thought she was. And the pants that she wore before the reveal were ugly. They were just ugly. Those were pants I would wear. And that's saying a lot. If by thespian, Eva means the the person who's walking down the high school corridor, just like screaming their fucking head off, just like making the most attention for themselves. Yeah, she's the best thespian of them all. (laughs) Just like screaming at the stage. But in terms of her performance, very lacking. And I was honestly extremely disappointed again in Hoso. Like I watched it again. I watched this episode for a second time and just watching her just kind of like flit across the arena and then try to take a bite. It was just like, you didn't pay attention at all to any of the practice sessions you all were doing. And I don't understand why she can keep going through this, but not have the performance down. She's just not listening to instructions around performance. Yeah, it was very lacking. It was very understandable why they were in the bottom. I mean, we got honestly more of a performance out of Coco Straw than those two in the ring. (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't know that we were going to get a follow-up of Coco versus an inanimate object, but we did. In episode one, we had Coco versus Quill. In episode six, we had Coco versus Straw, where we see her struggling because she puts her drink on her giant-ass titties, and she's struggling with her straw. She's trying to pick it up with her nails. <laughs> At least she was able to get the straw with her nails. Like that was not the case. With the that quill. was impressive. And then she ultimately <laughs> pours it all over herself while Eva and Hoso are like being super dramatic and all that. And Eva goes into her whole like, I'm Eva fucking destruction. Okay. And I love that Hoso did that little callback to Willow, Willow Dream being like, and I mean Willow. No, I'm just joking. It's <laughs> like trying to steal her thunder. And I'm Hoso of Destruction. Which ultimately led to the two of them going up the mountain, standing up top, waiting for the trap door to stop or drop, stop, drop, block and pop it or whatever. And then no one (laughs) falls. Dramatic. I don't understand. I really don't. I mean, they're like, there will be consequences for saving you later. Why save one of them? Why have consequences? Why not just get rid of one of them at this point? You know? My problem is, is that whenever they're saying, oh, you didn't follow directions, you didn't do the look correctly for other people, you know, and not Hoso, then there's actual consequences where they get kicked out of the show. Like, I'm thinking about when Coco goes to the bottom, and I'm spoiling the next episode, but when she's in episode seven, she goes to the bottom because she didn't fully hit the task ahead of her. and But her outfit was amazing. It was fantastic. I loved the look entirely. But then Hoso in episode six, like she just doesn't follow through with what she needs to be doing. She, her performance was terrible. The look wasn't that great, in my opinion. And she suddenly just gets kept in because they decide to bend the rules. Like, I don't understand this. I just don't, I don't, I feel like it just fits whenever the belays just don't think somebody's ready to go yet. Well, and it seems like, yeah, the Boulets are just making it up as they go. I mean, you know, I don't think so. I mean, there must be some kind of plan for all of this. But at the same time, it does come across with like, uh, well, we, we decided this week we're not going to send anyone home because everyone worked really hard or whatever. And like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, you have yeah. to eliminate people. I mean, this is the second time. The first time we did this, we had... Um, Abora. Uh, Abora, yeah, came back. And then now they're doing it again. So I don't know. It does make good TV. Like it's exciting and surprising. And so I think that's, you know, a big part of it for sure. But I don't know. It just kind of feels a little bit like Boulay's have favorites that they're pushing through. It's hard to, I don't know if it's hard to keep up or more so it kind of takes you out of it when you see the hands pulling the strings a bit too much. I think that was one of the problems I had I'm having with, the keeping people around again, if at at the top of episode two, they had said, you don't get to decide who goes home. We do. Then it's like, Oh shit. You were just faking everyone out with that voting out. And now there's going to be drama. But instead we just got the trick for you treat for me, you know, which is, which was lame. And then with this one, it does, you, you, you see the hands a bit too much again. And it's, I, it take, it does take it out a little bit. That being said, I am glad to, they neither of them went home i think they're both great and strong performers and i'm really excited for what they do next especially eva because in the next episode she fucking killed it with that sea monsters of the deep episode which was a lot of fun i mean we get to see uh the fake out of everyone thinking hoso went home for a minute 
And Eva just eating that up. My God, she she's a thespian. She's like, this is my opportunity <laughs> to act. And you could see on Coco's face, like Coco just like in the back because the camera's on Ashby. You see Coco just being like, no. Nah, Coco doesn't nah. believe her for one second. She's like, well, something is going on here. Coco's literally looking over her shoulder, waiting for Hoso yeah. to come to the door. Waiting, absolutely. She, she knew. She, she read. Coco is really good at reading people. She really is. So with this Creatures of the Deep episode, I know we haven't really talked about the Fright Feats in five and six. That's because they were all right. You know, a little brain eating, a little arm wrestling. It's all cute. Eating gross stuff and arm wrestling to see who's the weakest one out of a group of people who all have skinny arms. You know, that's always fun and entertaining. But this week's Fright Week was fucking horrendous terrifying oh my god (laughs) they had them go into a tunnel where at the end there's a gate and they had to work on a combination lock and then all of a sudden this the walls inflated so that they couldn't move as the tube gets lowered into water that they couldn't escape and they had to do the like code in an amount of time which honestly they were just like dunking the shit out of them and like waterboarding them basically well that's what i was thinking i was like we're about to watch waterboarding andre That's what we watched. As somebody who's a bit claustrophobic and also like can't hold their breath underwater for very long, like I was having like a panic attack just watching them be held in place underwater, just fully like screaming and like carrying around and like not knowing when it was opening up again, like when they would be free. Like yeah. it was very scary. And I don't think and not that I knowing would be if able they to... were going to be dunked just once or if it was going to yes. happen multiple times. And yeah. That was and pretty the, terrifying. The lock was definitely a like the lock didn't really actually mean anything. I don't think. I think they no. just wanted to dunk them at the end because then they just were released afterwards. But yeah. trying to think that you had a task to do and then this all this happening and not knowing if you had to solve the lock problem before you can get out, like pretty terrifying. No, it, it was definitely a fright feeling that they where they kind of tricked him into thinking, oh, you have a task. Really, we're just going to be dunking mm-hmm. you, which is horrendous. But I mean, like that's old school of those challenges you know that's that's dragula that is hardcore dragula don't get me wrong that's probably the most hardcore thing they put people through but i definitely love when they get back to the boudoir and coco is (laughs) sits the line i'm a professional at drowning what the fuck does that mean (laughs) coco (laughs) like you don't just say oh i'm a professional at drowning bitch what no but it was really good though. Like when she explained yeah. her story about how she um, had almost drowned as a child, and yeah. then she went came back and said that Dragula is really good at helping you face your fears and put them out into the open and really force you to come to terms with those. And so she's really intimately feeling that of this is a fear that I have. I had to directly face this if I want to continue this competition, and that's just what Dragula is really good at. No, and I'm really glad that she got to work on that as. As we've seen others work through their fears uh, in previous seasons, you know, it was definitely inspiring to see. That being said, that was a fucked up thing they did. But I'm glad production, I'm sure, had safety measures to make sure everyone, you know, got out alive and was fine. So let's talk looks. Hagfish. 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 I'm totally a hagfish. don't know what a hagfish is. No idea. I'm totally a hagfish. Can't you tell that I'm a hagfish? (laughs) I was like, are you a really explicitly Korean thing? And right. it's very surprising that people outside of Korea have no idea what this hagfish is. <laughs> so my look is inspired by this thing that is only eaten by people in this one region of the world and is only found there. And here I am in an area where it's not that area. And uh, everyone's confused on what I am. I don't get it. I don't get it. And not only am I going to dress as a hagfish, but I'm going to wear this like 
pants and heels with it. Like, I didn't get that part of the look either. I mean, no. I, I, I love Hoso, but come on. Like, <laughs> she, that was pushing it. That was really You're pushing You're talking it. about an incom- incomplete look. Like, mm-hmm. if, you, if you take all of your effort and do it in the top half and has a bit of, like, the Hoso aesthetic, you know, the makeup and has, like, it, I really liked the fins around the head. That was interesting. But for the most part, it was just, like, the effort went to the top half no effort in the bottom half and that was said to be a complete look i don't know we've had that critique before of hoso having too much going on and with this one it was not enough there wasn't that good middle ground between the two they i love the slime what she was doing with the slime was very great it was awesome her just like licking it up and like rubbing it everywhere uh, that was fantastic, but in the hands, big fan of the hands, but the heels were just inappropriate for like what the look was going for. There was some work done on the pants, but it was just like too obvious that just, it like, was paint pants or something. Yeah, it was it was like some like tentacle holes or something. I don't know, y'all. I'm feeling very testy that Coco was in the bottom two this time. And so now I'm just looking back at all these looks and comparing them to what she had done, saying that she wasn't complete in her look. When Hoso absolutely was not complete in her look. I don't know. It's just very confusing why she was in the bottom two. Well, and they were talking about they didn't get Sea Monster from it. And I could see that to an extent, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. That that was very There's a strange. lot of fins going on, like the psych not horse human creature mm-hmm. and the gender play. It all was very Dragula, I thought, but it just wasn't scary enough, I guess. I get that she was doing a more of a sexy performance, should have been more of scary or something. I think all those critiques were a bit much for the most part. The one I think the one that was valid was that it wasn't nautical enough, I guess. You know, it needed she a had bit fins more. all over, though. She had like it needed a little bit more because there was there except for like a few like stuff on the like armor pieces, which there wasn't a whole lot from the armor pieces covering her. It, there wasn't a whole lot of aquatic stuff. And it, it was very, you know, road warrior esque. But I loved the idea of a road warrior, like under underwater road warrior. I was so here for that. <laughs> and I, I agree with the critique that she just needed something like a trident or a net. Or just like a couple more pieces to really sell that underwater or deep water look. And then she could have been a badass road warrior of Atlantis. But like it was still like an underwater look. It wasn't as underwater as it should be. But when we're talking about going outside the box and being creative and showing like different gender and creative expressions. And then we have Victoria being a scary fish, which is great. Like it was a good look, but very inside the box. And then you have just, and then, then back to Hoso again, just ex- guess it's a, it's a fish. It's a hagfish. It's doing, it's Hoso as a fish, but only half done, but also very inside the box. I just didn't see as much creativity here, except for like Eva's, which Eva's was extremely creative. Oh, well, Eva. Yeah. She knocked it out of the park. That was, that was an amazing look. Eva, I, it was exciting to watch. You know, some people complained that they were like, well, what is she? I guess there was some clam. I guess there was some like jellyfish. That's what I loved about Eva's look is that it was an amalgamation of all these things. She had the shape of a jellyfish, but opened up like a clam, but acted like one of those like underwater creatures with the light in it. There was the beauty to pull you in and then the the monster that was within. It was it was a great combination of everything without just being one thing. Like she wasn't just like an evil clam or something. You know, mm-hmm. she was she was Eva, the underwater, the deep water monster. And it was fantastic. 
And then there was Mermaid Fins and uh, Melissa. Miss Melissa. Yeah. Go ahead, John. Go ahead. Jump in. <laughs> Melissa's wasn't perfect, but I I saw Melissa in it. That was like Melissa's aesthetic, which I think was oh yeah, totally. You know, really kind of shot down a bit hard for being like what she does and what she is good at. It just didn't add up to what everybody else was doing. I loved the light play with like the extra stuff that she had attached to her outfit. It just was the dress itself but even the prosthetics i like the prosthetics are pretty scary just on her face they completely covered her face they were scary but at the same time there was that beauty that glamour look you know Mm -hmm. and that's what i loved so much about it because it really did the face and everything there was such like it was pretty at the same time that it was scary and then she got you know dragged over the coals because she used basic sort of mermaid material to sort of make a gown instead of you know doing something more spectacular for the body work the look wasn't terrible it was just a very early episode look if that makes if, if, if that makes sense that seems like the type of look that would get you safe when there's like nine other competitors you know all right that, that was fine don't use that fabric ever again though but for like what are we in the final five or six like you can't I mean, it could have what she was trying to do. She could have been trying to ride the middle because she has been going through a lot of mental turmoil these last couple of episodes. Yeah. So it's something that just kind of like kept her there and kept her going. As she was saying, she was already thinking about quitting. So just yeah. something that maybe it wasn't on her brain to win this episode, but just to be able to get through. Maybe. And I mean, and, and that could have backfired because she talked about and they recapped it at the beginning of the episode about how her husband left her the week prior to coming onto the show. So she still had all that weighing on her and probably wasn't processing it. And I'm sure all the drama, whether it's the love triangle, Ashford being a brat or just kind of everyone being two faced and like all this stuff. Also being ho so. Yeah. <laughs> Not only all that, but like we have to remember that these people aren't just putting on a brand new, fully conceptualized drag performance with a new look trying to fit in the challenge each week. But they're also dealing with a reality show TV production like there's a lot going on. So I don't fault Melissa for when she is in the bottom this week, kind of being like, you know what? I'm going to tell everyone, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're okay. Fuck you. And bouncing because you could see when she was entering in. I mean, I I feel like she was processing a lot of stuff with the wrestling episode and like was really there because she knew what she wanted from it. And maybe with this one, it was just kind of like uh, she couldn't quite maybe piece everything together and everything was just kind of get to her. So she did the best that she could. And then was just like, you know what? I'm in the bottom with my friend. I want her to keep going. I'm out. Which is a first. And I wish the Boulets did not spoil that on their podcast. I really wish they hadn't said that someone was going to quit. Because remember, yeah. I think, Lindsay, you and I were sitting there on like episode five and six going, wait, someone hasn't quit yet. Didn't someone they mention that yet. on the podcast? Oh, my God. And the second that episode opened up with like a reminder that Melissa's husband drama. left her. We looked at each other. We're like, oh, my God, is Melissa leaving this episode? God damn it. No. I think you started saying that and I went, shut up. I won't believe it. You did. You were like, tell me to <laughs> shut up. And I'm like, John, and I was like, no, I don't want to hear together it together to get through it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, get I get her wanting to quit. I get her even having a meltdown because, yeah, she's been going through a lot. What I had the biggest problem with is that in her meltdown, there was no responsibility on her own. And I'm sorry, 
Yeah, everybody in there. First of all, if you're coming in on a drag competition show and you don't expect drama and backbiting and all this other stuff that she seemed to have such a problem with through the entire season, I'm not sure why you're there. You know, if you if you don't want to deal with that, you know that that's going to be part of what you're dealing with every day. The second thing is she's not innocent of all of that. I mean, she's been in the middle of it, too. She's been saying her own stuff. She in the first episode, she was like, we're going to make an alliance and we're going to do this and we're going to do that, you know, and, and was right there in the beginning, separating people out. And there was just no responsibility on her side of things as she was having her meltdown and telling everybody else that they were awful people. And I think that was my biggest part of it. Mm -hmm. I think she kind of came at it um, with the perspective that it is a game. And so she's trying to gamify it and, you know, with the, the, the trying to put people into alliances at the beginning, that's kind of a strategic way of going about it. And then there's a little bit more beyond just gamifying in which personalities clash you have actual friendships, relationships forming, and there's actual real life stuff that goes on here that you can't really just gamify in the way that it easily put it into rules and sides and things like that that might be in other kind of game shows. And so maybe yeah. it's just like a different reality check on what goes on in reality shows, I guess. But I mean, she did um, reference a lot about what might be going on outside of what we're seeing filmed. That like she had referenced a lot of Astrid uh, talking down to production in one way or another. Right. And that's all yeah. stuff that we just don't see on camera. And so I'm wondering how much might be going on there that she's just witnessing or how much of the interactions are all having behind screen. So there seems like there's just a lot going on also. Or Victoria, to both Melissa said that Victoria went to the Boulets to say that there were competitors that were throwing their looks together the day prior or day of, which included Coco. Victoria, <laughs> snitches get stitches, okay? Yeah. What? And, and this particular <laughs> what show, you might actually walk away with stitches. So, yeah. yeah. Why is she talking to the Boulets about anything? I'm so confused. And also, why is it a problem if they're like finishing up their stuff like before the performance? It's done before the performance. It's one of those things where it's, I mean, that concern has been brought up in the past and previous seasons. People just throwing stuff together, been thrown around this this season. If we remember, what is that? What is Abora? Is she a broomstick or is she an alien? Is she a witch? You know, that's been thrown around. And with the production thing, we saw a little bit of it during the uh, medieval D &D episode, the D&D &D episode with the interactions with the director and stuff. And Astrid was accused of not letting the director do their thing. And Eva just having a, you know, break down a bit. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot that we don't see that's going on. There's a lot that's on the editing floor. There's a lot that's not it doesn't even make it onto camera that we're not seeing. And again, there's a lot to go on. I understand that when you're in that moment and you're having that fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you moment that you're not going to like announce your own partis your own participation in it. You're not going to also go, well, no, I was a dick with this, too. So like, you're, you're not you're going to be on you're going to be on the offense. But I think one of the, the best moments to happen with all that is Coco standing up and saying, no, I need to go check on my friend. There's someone, you know, we talk about sisterhood with this. We talk about being there for each other. And like when Melissa left. Everyone had a comment that made it about themselves, except for Coco. Coco was the one that went out and talked with her and chatted with her. That's when Melissa was saying, like, you know what? No, I'm I just I can't deal with this. I can't do this anymore. I need to go home. I don't want to be here anymore. And I want you to keep going. 
with that it makes sense there's there's certain points where like all this stuff because again it's it's you're putting on a you're conceptualizing and creating a brand new drag show every week you have to perf- give the reality show drama every week you have to deal with the production schedules which i work in they suck especially in reality <laughs> shows the working production is fucking hard dude it's tw- it's at least 12 hour days and then you so you're doing all that stuff to get the footage in the boudoir and then you got to go home and work on your look even more you got to work on your routine even more you got to do life stuff too like that's it's got to be a lot and then to have that that your husband left you you have that going on outside and whatever else is i think it uh, was season three or season four there was a contestant whose cat died you know and like a few other things happen outside and they were off of their game like it's a lot when you don't have that stability at home to also be dealing with the demands of making a reality show so again i i don't blame her i wish she didn't go out this way but that's just because i love melissa i think she's such a great performer great competitor and i wish i could have seen more from her and and that sucks that she now has that i don't i don't know because of her situation that stigma that she's the first to quit or the is the one who quit but she does have that title now and that sucks man yeah definitely but to your point also about her husband leaving her that's like real legitimate drama legitimate stuff that's going on in her life and so then when everything is just so extremely petty in the boudoir and just like things go on that are just like this isn't real life folks like why are we behaving like this this doesn't make any sense this isn't like what i'm dealing with in my real life so let's just like move on past this but people just don't move on past it very childish so now that was episode seven melissa's gone and we have i want to mention real quick oh yeah yes melissa's gone but when she did the drop like any other person who leaves this this season and the boulets didn't change their script at all like there was no acknowledgement from them at all that she quit instead of being kicked out forcefully so i don't i that's another problem i'm having right now is let's acknowledge that she decided to leave and let Coco stay. And the bullies made it seem like we've decided that you're not fit to continue on with Dragula. And so we're going to send you back into the deep. And so I just don't, I wish. Do y'all think they'll address that in the next episode? Uh, We know the Queens will in one way or another, but like, Queens will, will, I doubt Belize. Will the Belize. I know in previous seasons, I think it was the one where in the first season, when the contestant didn't go in the plane, or was that season two? I think it was season two. Two. They were very pissed about it in the next episode. And they're like, if you're not going to participate, blah, blah, blah. They, you know, I just remember that someone did something and they came back in the next episode and they were like, how fucking dare that person? They're gone. They're less involved on screen than they were in the earlier seasons with this. So I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of decisions made to stick to the script. A, I think it's easier sticks with the format and the formula of how the episodes play out. I think it's also a bit of a cop out to kind of avoid any, I don't want to say to avoid any responsibility of involvement of someone quitting, but maybe to just like, maybe not address it. It'd be so easy for them to be like, Melissa, you have chosen not to continue on to becoming the Dragula's next super monster. We will now send you into the deep. Yeah. Yeah, I think addressing it a little bit would have maybe been a bit better. But... Like they're changing the script for a lot of things, but not that. Yeah. Anyway, that's just a little critique I have there for you, Belays. No, I, no. Like, 
I love you. Don't burn me to a crisp. We haven't talked about any of the guest judges for oh. for this round, but like, can we just stop and appreciate for a moment that like Barbara Crampton still uh. looks amazing? Like, like I don't know how old she is now, but she looks like she did twenty years ago. I love Barbara Crampton, and she was absolutely gorgeous on that episode with Trinity Do for the prom episode. Uh. Loved that, and loved seeing them there together for that they were both yeah, great. Was fantastic and yeah barbara crampton's a forever crush for me like i remember being, <laughs> i remember being a kid and watching from beyond way too young on vhs <laughs> and just being like who is this lady and then later on watching reanimator and just being like why are you doing that to her? <laughs> but yeah she's always great they, they were such fantastic hosts and i love tanana reef do uh i love her she's great with her online yes. classes on horror, she did some amazing features for Candyman. Such great insight on film and its representation and everything. She, she ah, those two are uh, one of the things that I love when people are guest judges on this. But I hate that they don't get to discuss like more. Like you know what I mean? Like I wish, like what they're actually about. Uh, <laughs> like I wish the Blue Lays would do like an after talk show of just like, hey, these were the guest judges on this episode, and we're just going to interview them about their lives. That would be fantastic. I would, I would love that. Or especially have them on the podcast, too. right? I mean, we've tried to get Barbara on before. Barbara, if you're listening, no, I, no, I'm saying the Boulets should have these judges on their podcast and kind of chat about it there. One thousand percent. I think they should do follow ups and and just discuss them for wrestling. We had Poppy and Katya. Yes. Poppy's Go always ahead, fun. babe. Say the last name. Say it. I, Say Catch's I, last name. I don't know Poppy's last name. She just has the one name. <laughs> Poppy and Katya Zamolochikova. Zamolochikova. I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. So sorry, Katya. We love you. <laughs> I fucking love Katya. She did not let anybody go that episode. She came she after was so everyone. Funny. The, what was the oh line with the sh- about the shoes? I think it was Swan Thula was like, she's like, yeah, I, you know, I don't like your things. She's like, I want to put you in jail for your shoes. <laughs> she was like, for Hoso and her boots, she was like, I'm going to put you under house arrest for your go-go boots. Also, fuck you, though. <laughs> <laughs> right, because that was her whole bit. She's like, girl, you should be in jail for those shoes. How dare you? You're a Maybe psychopath. just house arrest. <laughs> it was to Astrid. Yeah, because Astrid had all those shoes. And she's like, how dare you? You should be in prison. Oh, that's another thing. Yeah, she said she's a lunatic for those shoes. <laughs> yeah, house arrest, but I'll still fuck you. Jesus Christ. That Katia definitely makes great. me want to watch their show. What show is that? Katya has a great YouTube series where it's her and Trixie Mattel. Trixie Mattel, Trixie yeah. Mattel, that's right. Oh that's my right. God. I gotta watch that. I, 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 yeah, I need to catch up. I mostly <laughs> just watch clips from it, but those two are just, they're so fucking funny. And I, I need to rewatch Katya's uh, critiques from this episode. She let out some bangers. We forgot about the ultimate banger, though, in that episode. Coco saying, gay! Oh my God. Guys, did you know? How did we miss this? Guys, <laughs> guys, guys, Coco liked my tweet. <laughs> <He did. laughs> well, because the whole episode, like three times in the episode, Coco is just in the back and just goes, <laughs> which was just, just like beautiful. Ken Jeon's character in Community. And so right after the episode premiered, I shared the gif of Ken Jeon going, Grr! it was just like, 
Coco the entire episode and she liked it, guys. <laughs> she liked it. Mm, she validation. Liked it. <laughs> we could wrap this podcast up. We don't need to do anything more. Coco liked one way. This is all we wanted was a single <laughs> Coco. We just wanted someone to validate our feelings. Exactly. Yeah. Specifically Coco. <laughs> Specifically. And then yeah, for the guest judges in the seventh episode, we had two returning competitors. We had Saint and Dolly, mm-hmm. which was always fantastic. Two of my favorite favorites right Wayland. oh oh come on now when but when the boys looked at Dolly and was like after a hundred thousand dollars and you still can't buy a fucking wig yeah I died <laughs> you died at that comment I died at Dolly's non-greed of okay yeah, because I don't wear wigs and it's just like yeah. it was just <laughs> such a non-response <laughs> <laughs> like you th- would think that she would have said something clever, but no, it's Dolly. She she just you know yeah mm-hmm. she's just very creative and very pretty. <laughs> Honestly, I think Dolly won the look competition for that episode. Oh, Absolutely God. beautiful. Like Dolly this, like, was egg yes. coloring face and with her little spots on it and the the metallic face armor. Ah, so beautiful. I think I referred to it as like a heavy metal face tiara. <laughs> yeah 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 that's what it was oh. and saint was gorgeous again i love saint i want to see more of saint going back to coco's read of oh that's rich saint saying i was too slow for not <laughs> enough energy in my performance <laughs> Fuck it. beautiful beautiful so we have our top five right predictions how are we feeling about our top five we got eva we got hoso we got coco astrid and victoria i like how they gave their predictions in this episode it was kind of telling to see who they thought would go to the end yeah from what it sounded like no one thought astrid and eva were gonna make it but then eva won that competition won that week so i mean Mm -hmm. what who are you guys thinking top three my top predictions predictions and then wants if they're different well i think it's going to be coco victoria and astrid really which is very weird for me to say really she hasn't won a single competition astrid yeah she hasn't won a single week i think her looks have just been escalating i I don't want to say eva but i I think she's going to self-destruct Um, And Hoso, I am extremely, I'm just so annoyed at her right now that I just can't even (laughs) comprehend her getting to the end. I'm very tired of it. I just don't want that to happen anymore. I would rather her leave. So that's what I want to get to the the end, I guess. I also feel like Hoso's looks have not been as strong the last few weeks. She has her like one look down and she keeps doing doing riffs off of it. And people just accept that, oh, this is Hoso doing something. So it must be amazing when... It's due to some critique. Let's let's open her up for critiques. Waylon. <sighs> it's a very difficult question. It is. It is. That's why I'm There's having so you guys go first. so many different things going on. Victoria, Coco, Eva. I think those other two are going to self-destruct. I think it's going to come gonna down to it. And I think Eva's going to pull through. I think that Eva, when everybody expects her to go pulls out something amazing almost every time and mm. i don't know that's where i'm sitting right now that's who i think the top three is going to be yeah and also who i want the top three to be so i'm good with that mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, it's we're definitely at a point in the competition where a bad week gets you out hard. Yeah. Even if you're a strong performer. And we saw that with these last two episodes. Those were very strong performers that just had very rough weeks. I mean, Eva... Eva did not do well in the wrestling competition, which is the only reason why I think that she is going to self-destruct. There's going to be a point where she thinks she's doing okay and she gets like... She had a very safe look that week. But again, there's no room for safe anymore. No, there's, there's not enough safe. bumper. Not in this in this few competitors. There's there's no place for safety right, right now. They've got to go out. I don't even think it was safe. I think it was lazy. I mean, she just focused on these leg prosthetics that weren't even big enough. But her face makeup. Aside, I mean, it was it was cool. It was great. I don't know. I thought it was great. I'm a, I'm a big fan of what she does with her lines and stuff. I'm sorry to dismiss you if, I, if it sounded like I was dismissing you. I, 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 I was sitting there going like, why is no one praising her face makeup? Because it was really great. I don't know if it read wrestler as much, but. Well, then why don't you go marry her face makeup? God, oh, I, don't want to. <laughs> I just want I just want someone to do that for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of face makeup, it's Coco. <laughs> just riding the Coco train so hard. The, the white marks that she's doing along her face, yeah. just like the highlighter perfection. Yeah, the contours and perfection. And yeah, then, what's your I top mean, three, John? Top three is Coco. <sighs> Say it. I'm like, I'm, it I'm, out. I'm going through the photos of the last one, but here's my thing. I, I can honestly see everyone having a breakdown, if that makes sense. I feel like any five of these are ready for that kind of a meltdown bad week next week. I feel like it's mm-hmm. going to happen. I feel like we're going to see someone very, very strong gone next week, which is why it's like... I mean, everybody left is very strong. I think Melissa was the one that was still kind of teetering a little bit. Everybody else is extremely strong players. I know. And that's why I'm like, I mean, like Victoria's, it's like the, the obvious choice, but I have a feeling, man, because she's done it before. She's done it before where she's gotten really close and then just did something where it was just like, girl, no. And... I mean, but yes, if we're, if we're going to base it off of track records and everything and not just like impending feelings of doom, I think it is going to be Coco. I think it is going to be Victoria. And I'm going to go with Eva, mostly because Astrid can't perform for shit. Uh, no. And that's... we all agree that Hoso is out. <laughs> I mean, that, my, my apologies to Astrid. That was a strong critique. Astrid I, I needs like to change Astrid's her performance. performance. She needs to change it up. Yeah, but I like it. I thought what we saw of her, because again, we don't see their full performances, but what we saw of the octopus in the beginning when she was swaying left and right, I was like, who? I didn't even recognize her. I was like, who the fuck is this? That is amazing. She is swaying like an octopus on the floor. And then they showed her just like whapping around with them. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know she does that all the time. Oh God, girl, you need, you need to, I don't know. You need to do some like Wii Zumba or something. And she does really good body movement. She's able to like move around the stage and use the stage quite well and do these back bends and stuff, which I think is all really interesting, but she needs to read the character a bit more and do do what the character needs. I'm sad we're not going to see something as blasphemous as Melissa's filth performance. (laughs) Yeah, Melissa didn't really bring that filth. She didn't really bring it that season until that moment, in which case it was a total what? I wish people would do more with that. But I also think that that was like the punk rock YouTube era of Dragula before they had to adhere to like FCC regulations. and (laughs) Yeah. So we have two more episodes left. Stay tuned. It's anyone's game. We got two contestants that are supposed to go. Which two? 
Or is there going to be two gone? They've done it before where they did a top four instead of a top three. Oh, wait, no, they said they would never do that again. Well, we still have, what did they say, when or nobody went home yesterday? Consequences. Consequences. We have consequences to look forward to, I think. If the consequence is bringing back a Bora, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Wouldn't that be funny, though? <laughs> Wouldn't that be gaggy? <laughs> Abora is back. <laughs> if if they bring her back, I'm off the podcast. I'm just not <laughs> gonna do it anymore. <laughs> well, this has been great. I'm sorry that we haven't been able to meet in a while, but we got two episodes left of this. I'm looking forward to what's coming up next. Let's hope that we get back to competition. Maybe calm down on the drama a bit. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? I'm excited to see where we're heading with this. And I think we, you know, like we said, there's a lot of strong competitors and it's really cool to see, you know, let's get narrowed down to the top one, you know, like who's it going to be? Yeah. And if this season has proven anything to us, it's that we don't know the rules. Obviously, we don't know what's really going on. We Every time we think we have things figured out, the Boulay brothers pull something out that we didn't expect. So, yeah, I think it's a wild card game for the rest of this season. Cheers to the Boulets for keeping the spirit of early 2000s trash reality TV alive. (laughs) Nowhere else are we getting stuff like this. We are getting flavor of love level reality drama. Oh, And it is beautiful. Yeah. And it's the only thing keeping us going in this year, 2022. Remember when that that contestant spit on the other one on flavor of love? That was insane. (laughs) Anywho. So thank you all for coming for another episode of Talking Titans, a one-off of uh, Ion Horror, the official podcast of iHorror.com. You can find us on any of the Ion Horror social media accounts. Uh, We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Lindsay, where can we find you if you want to be found? I am managing all set accounts, so send me a message on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and say hi. Don't look up our personal ones. They're bored. Waylon, where can we find you on social media? Instagram, Waylon.Jordan, uh, WaylonVox1 on Twitter, and also Off Limits Press on Twitter. That is where you'll find my publishing company. And you can check out our latest book, which is Divergent Terror. And it is a collection of essays from queer authors from around the world talking about their relationship to the horror genre. Check it out. It's really cool. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm going to have to get myself a copy. Our artwork is by Chris Fisher and the music is sped up uh, Restless Spirit. Don't forget to check them out. So we'll see you guys all in time. We'll figure out another time to get back together and discuss the next (laughs) episodes. (laughs) We'll see how our schedules work out. But until then, I'm Jonathan Korea. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Waylon. And keep talking Titans. Talking Titans with Ion Horror. Yeah. We're talking Titans. Uh. Ion Horror. Uh. Keep keep your eye on horrors while you're talking Titans. (laughs) Titans are talking, y'all. Whatever you say. (laughs) Titans are gossiping. Gossiping Titans. We will have a decent sign off by the time this ends. 